section nine of twilight in italy by d h lawrence this librivox recording is in the public domain italians in exile when i was in constance the weather was misty and enervating and depressing it was no pleasure to travel on the big flat desolate lake when i went from constance it was on a small steamer down the rhine to schaffhausen that was beautiful still the mist hung over the waters over the wide shallows of the river and the sun coming through the morning made lovely yellow lights beneath the bluish haze so that it seemed like the beginning of the world and there was a hawk in the upper air fighting with two crows or two rooks ever they rose higher and higher the crow flickering above the attacking hawk the fight going on like some strange symbol in the sky the germans on deck watching with pleasure then we passed out of sight between wooded banks and under bridges where quaint villages of old romance piled their red and coloured pointed roofs beside the water very still remote lost in the vagueness of the past it could not be that they were real even when the boat put into shore and the customs officials came to look the village remained remote in the romantic past of high germany the germany of fairy tales and minstrels and craftsmen the poignancy of the past was almost unbearable floating there in colour upon the haze of the river we went by some swimmers whose white shadowy bodies trembled near the side of the steamer under water one man with a round fair head lifted his face and one arm from the water and shouted a greeting to us as if he were a nibelung saluting with bright arm lifted from the water his face laughing the fair moustache hanging over his mouth then his white body swelled in the water and he was gone swimming with a side stroke schaffhausen the town half old and bygone half modern with breweries and industries that is not very real schaffhausen falls with their factory in the midst and their hotel at the bottom and the general cinematographic effect they are ugly it was afternoon when i set out to walk from the falls to italy across switzerland i remember the big fat rather gloomy fields of this part of baden damp and unliving i remember i found some apples under a tree in a field near a railway embankment then some mushrooms and i ate both then i came on to a long desolate high road with dreary withered trees on either side and flanked by great fields where groups of men and women were working they looked at me as i went by down the long long road alone and exposed and out of the world i remember nobody came at the border village to examine my pack i passed through unchallenged all was quiet and lifeless and hopeless with big stretches of heavy land till sunset came very red and purple and suddenly from the heavy spacious open land i dropped sharply into the rhine valley again suddenly as if into another glamorous world there was the river rushing along between its high mysterious romantic banks which were high as hills and covered with vine and there was the village of tall quaint houses flickering its lights onto the deep flowing river and quite silent save for the rushing of water there was a fine covered bridge very dark i went to the middle and looked through the opening at the dark water below at the facade of square lights the tall village front towering remote and silent above the river the hill rose on either side the flood down here was a small forgotten wonderful world that belonged to the date of isolated village communities and wandering minstrels so i went back to the inn of the golden stag and climbing some steps i made a loud noise a woman came and i asked for food 
she led me through a room where were enormous barrels ten feet in diameter lying fatly on their sides then through a large stone-clean kitchen with bright pans ancient as the meistersinger then up some steps and into the long guest-room where a few tables were laid for supper a few people were eating i asked for abendessen and sat by the window looking at the darkness of the river below the covered bridge the dark hill opposite crested with its few lights then i ate a very large quantity of nurdle soup and bread and drank beer and was very sleepy only one or two village men came in and these soon went again the place was dead still only at a long table on the opposite side of the room were seated seven or eight men ragged disreputable some impudent another came in late the landlady gave them all thick soup with dumplings and bread and meat serving them in a sort of brief disapprobation they sat at the long table eight or nine tramps and beggars and wanderers out of work and they ate with a sort of cheerful callousness and brutality for the most part and as if ravenously looking round and grinning sometimes subdued cowed like prisoners and yet impudent at the end one shouted to know where he was to sleep the landlady called to the young serving woman and in a classic german severity of disapprobation they were led up the stone stairs to their room they tramped off in threes and twos making a bad mean humiliated exit it was not yet eight o'clock the landlady sat talking to one bearded man staid and severe whilst with her work on the table she sewed steadily as the beggars and wanderers went slinking out of the room some called impudently cheerfully nacht frau wirtin gnacht wirtin tenacht frau to all of which the hostess answered a stereotyped gute nacht never turning her head from her sewing or indicating by the faintest movement that she was addressing the men who were filing raggedly to the doorway so the room was empty save for the landlady and her sewing the staid elderly villager to whom she was talking in the unbeautiful dialect and the young serving-woman who was clearing away the plates and basins of the tramps and beggars then the villager also went gute nacht frau seidel to the landlady gute nacht at random to me so i looked at the newspaper then i asked the landlady for a cigarette not knowing how else to begin so she came to my table and we talked it pleased me to take upon myself a sort of romantic wandering character she said my german was schön a little goes a long way so i asked her who were the men who had sat at the long table she became rather stiff and curt they are the men looking for work she said as if the subject were disagreeable but why do they come here so many i asked then she told me that they were going out of the country this was almost the last village of the border that the relieving officer in each village was empowered to give every vagrant a ticket entitling the holder to an evening meal bed and bread in the morning at a certain inn this was the inn for the vagrants coming to this village the landlady received fourpence per head i believe it was for each of these wanderers little enough i said nothing she replied she did not like the subject at all only her respect for me made her answer bettler lumpen und taugenichtse i said cheerfully and men who are out of work and are going back to their own parish she said stiffly so we talked a little and i too went to bed gute nacht frau wirtin gute nacht mein herr so i went up more and more stone stairs attended by the young woman 
it was a great lofty old deserted house with many drab doors at last in the distant topmost floor i had my bedroom with two beds and bare floor and scant furniture i looked down at the river far below at the covered bridge at the far lights on the hill above opposite strange to be here in this lost forgotten place sleeping under the roof with tramps and beggars i debated whether they would steal my boots if i put them out but i risked it the door latch made a loud noise on the deserted landing everywhere felt abandoned forgotten i wondered where the eight tramps and beggars were asleep there was no way of securing the door but somehow i felt that if i were destined to be robbed or murdered it would not be by tramps and beggars so i blew out the candle and lay under the big feather bed listening to the running and whispering of the medieval rhine and when i waked up again it was sunny it was morning on the hill opposite though the river deep below ran in shadow the tramps and beggars were all gone they must be cleared out by seven o'clock in the morning so i had the inn to myself i and the landlady and the serving woman everywhere was very clean full of the german morning energy and brightness which is so different from the latin morning the italians are dead and torpid first thing the germans are energetic and cheerful it was cheerful in the sunny morning looking down on the swift river the covered picturesque bridge the bank and the hill opposite then down the curving road of the facing hill the swiss cavalry came riding men in blue uniforms i went out to watch them they came thundering romantically through the dark cavern of the roofed-in bridge and they dismounted at the entrance to the village there was a fresh morning cheerful newness everywhere in the arrival of the troops in the welcome of the villagers the swiss do not look very military neither in accoutrement nor bearing this little squad of cavalry seemed more like a party of common men riding out in some business of their own than like an army they were very republican and very free the officer who commanded them was one of themselves his authority was by consent it was all very pleasant and genuine there was a sense of ease and peacefulness quite different from the mechanical slightly sullen manoeuvring of the germans the village baker and his assistant came hot and floury from the bakehouse bearing between them a great basket of fresh bread the cavalry were all dismounted by the bridgehead eating and drinking like businessmen villagers came to greet their friends one soldier kissed his father who came wearing a leathern apron the school bell tang tang tanged from above school children merged timidly through the grouped horses up the narrow street passing unwillingly with their books the river ran swiftly the soldiers very haphazard and slack in uniform real shack bags chewed their bread in large mouthfuls the young lieutenant who seemed to be an officer only by consent of the men stood apart by the bridgehead gravely they were all serious and self-contented very unglamorous it was like a business excursion on horseback harmless and uninspiring the uniforms were almost ludicrous so ill-fitting and casual so i shouldered my own pack and set off through the bridge over the rhine and up the hill opposite there is something very dead about this country i remember i picked apples from the grass by the roadside and some were very sweet but for the rest there was mile after mile of dead uninspired country uninspired so neutral and ordinary that it was almost destructive one gets this feeling always in switzerland except high up this feeling of average of utter soulless ordinariness something intolerable mile after mile to zurich it was just the same 
it was just the same in the tramcar going into zurich it was just the same in the town in the shops in the restaurant all was the utmost level of ordinariness and well-being but so ordinary that it was like a blight all the picturesqueness of the town is nothing it is like a most ordinary average usual person in an old costume the place was soul-killing so after two hours rest eating in a restaurant wandering by the quay and through the market and sitting on a seat by the lake i found a steamer that would take me away that is how i always feel in switzerland the only possible living sensation is the sensation of relief in going away always going away the horrible average ordinariness of it all something utterly without flower or soul or transcendence the horrible vigorous ordinariness is too much so i went on a steamer down the long lake surrounded by low grey hills it was saturday afternoon a thin rain came on i thought i would rather be in fiery hell than in this dead level of average life i landed somewhere on the right bank about three-quarters of the way down the lake it was almost dark yet i must walk away i climbed a long hill from the lake came to the crest looked down the darkness of the valley and descended into the deep gloom down into a soulless village but it was eight o'clock and i had had enough one might as well sleep i found the gasthaus zur post it was a small very rough inn having only one common room with bare tables and a short stout grim rather surly landlady and a landlord whose hair stood up on end and who was trembling on the edge of delirium tremens they could only give me boiled ham so i ate boiled ham and drank beer and tried to digest the utter cold materialism of switzerland as i sat with my back to the wall staring blankly at the trembling landlord who was ready at any moment to foam at the mouth and at the door landlady who was quite capable of keeping him in order there came in one of those dark showy italian girls with a man she wore a blouse and skirt and no hat her hair was perfectly dressed it was really italy the man was soft dark he would get stout later trapu he would have somewhat the figure of caruso but as yet he was soft sensuous young handsome they sat at the long side table with their beer and created another country at once within the room another italian came fair and fat and slow one from the venetian province then another a little thin young man who might have been a swiss save for his vivid movement this last was the first to speak to the germans the others had just said beer but the little newcomer entered into a conversation with the landlady at last there were six italians sitting talking loudly and warmly at the side table the slow cold german swiss at the other tables looked at them occasionally the landlord with his crazed stretched eyes glared at them with hatred but they fetched their beer from the bar with easy familiarity and sat at their table creating a bonfire of life in the callousness of the inn at last they finished their beer and trooped off down the passage the room was painfully empty i did not know what to do then i heard the landlord yelling and screeching and snarling from the kitchen at the back for all the world like a mad dog but the swiss saturday evening customers at the other table smoked on and talked in their ugly dialect without trouble then the landlady came in and soon after the landlord he collarless with his waistcoat unbuttoned showing his loose throat and accentuating his round pot belly his limbs were thin and feverish the skin of his face hung loose his eyes glaring his hands trembled then he sat down to talk to a crony 
his terrible appearance was a fiasco nobody heeded him at all only the landlady was surly from the back came loud noises of pleasure and excitement and banging about when the room door was opened i could see down the dark passage opposite another lighted door then the fat fair italian came in for more beer what is all the noise i asked the landlady at last it is the italians she said what are they doing they are doing a play where she jerked her head in the room at the back can i go and look at them i should think so the landlord glaringly watched me go out i went down the stone passage and found a great half-lighted room that might be used to hold meetings with forms piled at the side at one end was a raised platform or stage and on this stage was a table and a lamp and the italians grouped around the light gesticulating and laughing their beer mugs were on the table and on the floor of the stage the little sharp youth was intently looking over some papers the others were bending over the table with him they looked up as i entered from the distance looked at me in the distant twilight of the dusky room as if i were an intruder as if i should go away when i had seen them but i said in german may i look they were still unwilling to see or to hear me what do you say the small one asked in reply the others stood and watched slightly at bay like suspicious animals if i might come and look i said in german then feeling very uncomfortable in italian you are doing a drama the landlady told me the big empty room was behind me dark the little company of italians stood above me in the light of the lamp which was on the table they all watched with unseeing unwilling looks i was merely an intrusion we are only learning it said the small youth they wanted me to go away but i wanted to stay may i listen i said i don't want to stay in there and i indicated with a movement of the head the in-room beyond yes said the young intelligent man but we are only reading our parts they had all become more friendly to me they accepted me you are a german asked one youth no english english but do you live in switzerland no i am walking to italy on foot they looked with wakened eyes yes so i told them about my journey they were puzzled they did not quite understand why i wanted to walk but they were delighted with the idea of going to lugano and como and then to milan where do you come from i asked them they were all from the villages between verona and venice they had seen the garda i told them of my living there those peasants of the mountains they said at once they are people of little education rather wild folk and they spoke with good-humoured contempt i thought of paolo and il duro and the signor pietro our padrone and i resented these factory hands for criticising them so i sat on the edge of the stage whilst they rehearsed their parts the little thin intelligent fellow giuseppino was the leader the others read their parts in the laborious disjointed fashion of the peasant who can only see one word at a time and has then to put the words together afterwards to make sense the play was an amateur melodrama printed in little penny booklets for carnival production this was only the second reading they had given it and the handsome dark fellow who was roused and displaying himself before the girl a hard erect piece of callousness laughed and flushed and stumbled and understood nothing till it was transferred into him direct through giuseppino the fat fair slow man was more conscientious he laboured through his part the other two men were in the background more or less 
the most confidential was the fat fair slow man who was called alberto his part was not very important so he could sit by me and talk to me he said they were all workers in the factory silk i think it was in the village there were a whole colony of italians thirty or more families they had all come at different times giuseppino had been the longest in the village he had come when he was eleven with his parents and had attended the swiss school so he spoke perfect german he was a clever man was married and had two children he himself alberto had been seven years in the valley the girl la madelena had been here ten years the dark man alfredo who was flushed with excitement of her had been in the village about nine years he alone of all men was not married the others had all married italian wives and they lived in the great dwelling whose windows shone yellow by the rattling factory they lived entirely among themselves none of them could speak german more than a few words except the giuseppino who was like a native here it was very strange being among these italians exiled in switzerland alfredo the dark one the unmarried was in the old tradition yet even he was curiously subject to a new purpose as if there were some greater new will that included him sensuous mindless as he was he seemed to give his consent to something beyond himself in this he was different from il duro in that he had put himself under the control of the outside conception it was strange to watch them on the stage the italians all lambent soft warm sensuous yet moving subject round giuseppino who was always quiet always ready always impersonal there was a look of purpose almost of devotion on his face that singled him out and made him seem the one stable eternal being among them they quarrelled and he let them quarrel up to a certain point then he called them back he let them do as they liked so long as they adhered more or less to the central purpose so long as they got on in some measure with the play all the while they were drinking beer and smoking cigarettes the alberto was barman he went out continually with the glasses the madalena had a small glass in the lamplight of the stage the little party read and smoked and practised exposed to the empty darkness of the big room queer and isolated it seemed a tiny pathetic magic land far away from the barrenness of switzerland i could believe in the old fairy tales where when the rock was opened a magic underworld was revealed the alfredo flushed roused handsome but very soft and enveloping in his heat laughed and threw himself into his pose laughed foolishly and then gave himself up to his part the alberto slow and laborious yet with a spark of vividness and natural intensity flashing through replied and gesticulated the madalena laid her head on the bosom of alfredo the other men started into action and the play proceeded intently for half an hour quick vivid and sharp the little giuseppino was always central but he seemed almost invisible when i think back i can scarcely see him i can only see the others the lamplight on their faces and on their full gesticulating limbs i can see the madalena rather coarse and hard and repellent declaiming her words in a loud half cynical voice falling on the breast of the alfredo who was soft and sensuous more like a female flushing with his mouth getting wet his eyes moist as he was roused i can see the alberto slow laboured yet with a kind of pristine simplicity in all his movements that touched his fat commonplaceness with beauty then there were the two other men shy inflammable unintelligent with their sudden italian rushes of hot feeling 
all their faces are distinct in the lamplight all their bodies are palpable and dramatic but the face of the giuseppino is like a pale luminousness a sort of gleam among all the ruddy glow his body is evanescent like a shadow and his being seemed to cast its influence over all the others except perhaps the woman who was hard and resistant the other men seemed all overcast mitigated in part transfigured by the will of the little leader but they were very soft stuff if inflammable the young woman of the inn niece of the landlady came down and called out across the room we will go away from here now said the giuseppino to me they close at eleven but we have another inn in the next parish that is open all night come with us and drink some wine but i said you would rather be alone no they pressed me to go they wanted me to go with them they were eager they wanted to entertain me alfredo flushed wet-mouthed warm protested i must drink wine the real italian red wine from their own village at home they would have no nay so i told the landlady she said i must be back by twelve o'clock the night was very dark below the road the stream was rushing there was a great factory on the other side of the water making faint quivering lights of reflection and one could see the working of machinery shadowy through the lighted windows nearby was the tall tenement where the italians lived we went on through the straggling raw village deep beside the stream then over the small bridge then up at the steep hill down which i had come earlier in the evening so we arrived at the cafe it was so different inside from the german inn yet it was not like an italian cafe either it was brilliantly lighted clean new and there were red and white cloths on the tables the host was in the room and his daughter a beautiful red-haired girl greetings were exchanged with the quick intimate directness of italy but there was another note also a faint echo of reserve as though they reserved themselves from the outer world making a special inner community alfredo was hot he took off his coat we all sat freely at a long table whilst the red-haired girl brought a quart of red wine at other tables men were playing cards with the odd neapolitan cards they too were talking italian it was a warm ruddy bit of italy within the cold darkness of switzerland when you come to italy they said to me salute it from us salute the sun and the earth l'italia so we drank in salute of italy they sent their greeting by me you know in italy there is the sun the sun said alfredo to me profoundly moved wet-mouthed tipsy i was reminded of enrico percevalli and his terrifying cry at the end of ghosts il sole il sole so we talked for a while of italy they had a pained tenderness for it sad reserved don't you want to go back i said pressing them to tell me definitely won't you go back some time yes they said we will go back but they spoke reservedly without freedom we talked about italy about songs and carnival about the food polenta and salt they laughed at my pretending to cut the slabs of polenta with a string that rejoiced them all it took them back to the italian mezzogiorno the bells jangling in the campanile the eating after the heavy work on the land but they laughed with the slight pain and contempt and fondness which every man feels towards his past when he has struggled away from that past from the conditions which made it they loved italy passionately but they would not go back all their blood all their senses were italian needed the italian sky the speech the sensuous life 
they could hardly live except through the senses their minds were not developed mentally they were children lovable naive almost fragile children but centrally they were men centrally they were accomplished yet a new tiny flower was struggling to open in them the flower of a new spirit the substratum of italy has always been pagan sensuous the most potent symbol the sexual symbol the child is really a non-christian symbol it is the symbol of man's triumph of eternal life in procreation the worship of the cross never really held good in italy the christianity of northern europe has never had any place there and now when northern europe is turning back on its own christianity denying it all the italians are struggling with might and main against the sensuous spirit which still dominates them when northern europe whether it hates nietzsche or not is crying out for the dionysic ecstasy practicing on itself the dionysic ecstasy southern europe is breaking free from dionysus from the triumphal affirmation of life over death immortality through procreation i could see these sons of italy would never go back men like paolo and il duro broke away only to return the dominance of the old form was too strong for them call it love of country or love of the village campanilismo or what not it was the dominance of the old pagan form the old affirmation of immortality through procreation as opposed to the christian affirmation of immortality through self-death and social love but john and these italians in switzerland were a generation younger and they would not go back at least not to the old italy suffer as they might and they did suffer wincing in every nerve and fibre from the cold material insentience of the northern countries and of america still they would endure this for the sake of something else they wanted they would suffer a death in the flesh as john had suffered in fighting the street crowd as these men suffered year after year cramped in their black gloomy cold swiss valley working in the factory but there would come a new spirit out of it even alfredo was submitted to the new process though he belonged entirely by nature to the sort of il duro he was purely sensuous and mindless but under the influence of giuseppino he was thrown down as fallow to the new spirit that would come and then when the others were all partially tipsy the giuseppino began to talk to me in him was a steady flame burning 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 a flame of the mind of the spirit something new and clear something that held even the soft sensuous alfredo in submission besides all the others who had some little development of mind sa signore said the giuseppino to me quiet almost invisible or inaudible as it seemed like a spirit addressing me l'uomo non ha patria a man has no country what has the italian government to do with us what does a government mean it makes us work it takes part of our wages away from us it makes us soldiers and what for what is government for have you been a soldier i interrupted him he had not none of them had that was why they could not really go back to italy now this was out this explained partly their curious reservation in speaking about their beloved country they had forfeited parents as well as homeland what does the government do it takes taxes it has an army and police and it makes roads but we could do without an army and we could be our own police and we could make our own roads what is this government who wants it only those who are unjust and want to have advantage over somebody else it is an instrument of injustice and of wrong why should we have a government here in this village there are thirty families of italians there is no government for them no italian government and we live together better than in italy we are richer and freer we have no policemen no poor laws 
we help each other and there are no poor why are these governments always doing what we don't want them to do we should not be fighting in the chiranaica if we were all italians it is the government that does it they talk and talk and do things with us but we don't want them the others tipsy sat round the table with the terrified gravity of children who are somehow responsible for things they do not understand they stirred in their seats turning aside with gestures almost of pain of imprisonment only alfredo laying his hand on mine was laughing loosely floridly he would upset all the government with a jerk of his well-built shoulder and then he would have a spree such a spree he laughed wetly to me the giuseppina waited patiently during this tipsy confidence but his pale clarity and beauty was something constant star-like in comparison with the flushed soft handsomeness of the other he waited patiently looking at me but i did not want him to go on i did not want to answer i could feel a new spirit in him something strange and pure and slightly frightening he wanted something which was beyond me and my soul was somewhere in tears crying helplessly like an infant in the night i could not respond i could not answer he seemed to look at me me an englishman an educated man for corroboration but i could not corroborate him i knew the purity and new struggling towards birth of a true star-like spirit but i could not confirm him in his utterance my soul could not respond i did not believe in the perfectibility of man i did not believe in infinite harmony among men and this was his star this belief it was nearly midnight a swiss came in and asked for beer the italians gathered round them a curious darkness of reserve and then i must go they shook hands with me warmly truthfully putting a sort of implicit belief in me as representative of some further knowledge but there was a fixed calm resolve over the face of the giuseppino a sort of steady faith even in disappointment he gave me a copy of a little anarchist paper published in geneva l'anarchista i believe it was called i glanced at it it was in italian naive simple rather rhetorical so they were all anarchists these italians i ran down the hill in the thick swiss darkness to the little bridge and along the uneven cobbled street i did not want to think i did not want to know i wanted to arrest my activity to keep it confined to the moment to the adventure when i came to the flight of stone steps which led up to the door of the inn at the side i saw in the darkness two figures they said a low good night and parted the girl began to knock at the door the man disappeared it was the niece of the landlady parting from her lover we waited outside the locked door at the top of the stone steps in the darkness of midnight the stream rustled below then came a shouting and an insane snarling within the passage the bolts were not withdrawn it is the gentleman it is the strange gentleman called the girl then came again the furious shouting snarls and the landlord's mad voice stop out stop out there the door won't be opened again the strange gentleman is here repeated the girl then more movement was heard and the door was suddenly opened and the landlord rushed out upon us wielding a broom it was a strange sight in the half-lighted passage i stared blankly in the doorway the landlord dropped the broom he was waving and collapsed as if by magic looking at me though he continued to mutter madly unintelligibly the girl slipped past me and the landlord snarled then he picked up the brush at the same time crying you are late the door was shut it will not be opened we shall have the police in the house we said twelve o'clock at twelve o'clock the door must be shut and must not be opened again 
if you are late you stay out so he went snarling his voice rising higher and higher away into the kitchen you are coming to your room the landlady said to me coldly and she led me upstairs the room was over the road clean but rather ugly with a large tin that had once contained lard or swiss milk to wash in but the bed was good enough which was all that mattered i heard the landlord yelling and there was a long and systematic thumping somewhere thump 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 and banging i wondered where it was i could not locate it at all because my room lay beyond another large room i had to go through a large room by the foot of two beds to get to my door so i could not quite tell where anything was but i went to sleep whilst i was wondering i woke in the morning and washed in the tin i could see a few people in the street walking in the sunday morning leisure it felt like sunday in england and i shrank from it i could see none of the italians the factory stood there raw and large and sombre by the stream and the drab coloured stone tenements were close by otherwise the village was a straggling swiss street almost untouched the landlord was quiet and reasonable even friendly in the morning he wanted to talk to me where had i bought my boots was his first question i told him in munich and how much had they cost i told him twenty-eight marks he was much impressed by them such good boots of such soft strong beautiful leather he had not seen such boots for a long time then i knew it was he who had cleaned my boots i could see him fingering them and wondering over them i rather liked him i could see he had had imagination once and a certain fineness of nature now he was corrupted with drink too far gone to be even a human being i hated the village they set bread and butter and a piece of cheese weighing about five pounds and large fresh sweet cakes for breakfast i ate and was thankful the food was good a couple of village youths came in in their sunday clothes they had the sunday stiffness it reminded me of the stiffness and curious self-consciousness that comes over life in england on a sunday but the landlord sat with his waistcoat hanging open over his shirt pot-bellied his ruined face leaning forward talking always talking wanting to know so in a few minutes i was out on the road again thanking god for the blessing of a road that belongs to no man and travels away from all men i did not want to see the italians something had got tied up in me and i could not bear to see them again i liked them so much but for some reason or other my mind stopped like clockwork if i wanted to think of them and of what their lives would be their future it was as if some curious negative magnetism arrested my mind prevented it from working the moment i turned it towards these italians i do not know why it was but i could never write to them or think of them or even read the paper they gave me though it lay in my drawer for months in italy and i often glanced over six lines of it and often often my mind went back to the group the play they were rehearsing the wine in the pleasant cafe and the night but the moment my memory touched them my whole soul stopped and was null i could not go on even now i cannot really consider them in thought i shrink involuntarily away i do not know why this is end of section nine